African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, good morning. Thank you for joining us for another show of African Dialogue. You're listening to Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. It's me once again, Benjamin Mushatama. I'll be with you until midday Central African time. Remember, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And also on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet on www.channelafrica.co.za on our uh, streaming facility there on our our website a well only a few days away from uh, South Africa's uh, uh, elective conference it's not even South Africa's it feels like South Africa's because of the tensions of the ruling party it feels like we owning it as a nation of the African National Congress's elective uh, uh, conference is taking place in a few days on Saturday the nation and possibly the rest of the continent will watch as ANC members descend on Nazrek to elect their new leaders uh, following the provincial general council Process. It is now clear that Cyril Ramaphosa and Nkosazana Lamini Zuma are the two to look out for. However, as the days draw nearer, uh, the African National Congress finds itself in a battle of court cases. Members of the ANC are challenging the party's provincial elective processes in two provinces. In Pumalanga, ANC presidential hopeful Matthews Posa is challenging the validity of the nomination process. Uh, the South Gauteng High Court is expected to hear arguments on why the provincial General Counsel, the PGC, should be nullified. Meanwhile, in the Eastern Cape, the High Court sitting in Grahamstown will decide whether to nullify the ANC's provincial elective conference with disgruntled members bringing the case saying they dissatisfied with the election results. We know that is the case as well uh, with the Free State. Uh, we saw uh, the election just recently of Ace Mahashule, who's been in the ANC chairperson of the Free State for over 20 years now. Very interesting dynamics coming out of there recently. Well, let's look at what's happening down on the ground. We've got Dr. Ivo Sarankinski, who's joining us uh, in our studio and academic director of the Vets School of Governance. Also, Professor Diniko Malulek joins us on the line. Also, an advisor uh, to the vice chair and the principal university of the Pretoria, of the University of uh, Pretoria. And Levindor joins us on the line, political science lecturer at Tswane University of technology. Let me start with you, Dr. Ivo, in terms of looking at these skirmishes and the court battles that we are seeing unfolding and they're actually setting the tone of what is going to happen in a few days. It seems like it's not as business as usual as we used to previous conferences of the ANC. The only difference now is that it's come to court cases. Mm. Contests about voting delegates at conference and their link to branches has always been controversial. And uh, 2007, 2012, there was no difference. Uh, it was just kept within. Mm. The, the difference now is that the stakes are so much higher and uh, the contest is, is, is such a high stakes one that people are using all means to ensure that they have some advantage. So... Uh, aside from the details of each of the provincial court cases and fights, what this is really about is about uh, 
either trying to stack the voting delegates at the conference or trying to stop others from stacking Mm. the voting delegates at the conference. That's what it comes down to. Now, does this not actually make this particular elective conference invalid due to the fact that we are already seeing court cases underway that are questioning the elective processes from a provincial stage? Not necessarily. They'll, on the first day, there's the accreditations committee mm. that goes through all the delegates who arrive. And once they've been approved, then I think that that would probably be binding and very difficult to undermine mm. through further legal challenges. What, what would probably happen is that losers would use any procedural irregularity mm. Mm. they can find to try and uh, get some leverage or some advantage back after the conference. So I think that uh, it's an ace that people are keeping up their sleeves. Mm. Uh, so losers will, will play that card should they emerge as, as, as losers later. Mm. Well, Dr. Uh, Professor Tinikumalulek, I want to come to you in terms of uh, that. Uh, and I'm told that I should actually introduce as a political analyst because you're coming and speaking to us independently. But let, let me look at this particular issue in itself. The fact that we've seen these skirmishes unfold in the last three weeks or so, but we saw it coming uh, even two months ago. Uh, from your perspective, uh, do you think that these uh, make this particular elective conference valid? Um, due to the fact that there has been uh, irregularities that have been uh, uh, brought forward by some of uh, the disgruntled members within these various uh, uh, provinces? Well, you know, we've always had something in the nature of these challenges ahead of uh, each uh, elective conference of the ANC. Uh, I remember that there was such a, a challenge when we went to uh, Pulukwane uh, and, and one or two uh, with regards to Mangaung, but nothing as hectic, mm. uh, as numerous as what we are seeing now. Uh, you know, so, so there is uh, an avalanche uh, compared to the, the last two uh, conferences of contestations and challenges. Uh, including legal challenges, uh, uh, you know, at provincial level, which might uh, indeed uh, jeopardize uh, the, the, the conference. So, so what we have here are three possible scenarios. Uh, one is a conference that collapses. The other is a conference that takes place and NDZ wins, or a conference that takes place and Cyril Ramaphosa wins. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so we have we have three we have three possibilities, and all of them are possible at this stage. Well, I want to stay on this issue of what's happening from a provincial perspective um, with you, Professor Maluleke. Before I move on to uh, uh, Mr. Levindo, in terms of what do they say in terms of uh, what's happening from a provincial level? Let's look at the case of the Free State. There has been a lot of talk around Ace Mahashule as uh, the president there or the chairperson of the ANC in the Free State and the fact that he's been there for such a long time in provinces. And it seems like in that particular province, you're seeing a resistance of a shift of power and a maintenance of the status quo. And it seems there is a faction group there within that particular province that wants to see a change in that regard. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, you wouldn't say that if you watched him 
and if you listened to him speak so. at the conference yesterday. Mm. And uh, in many ways, his uh, mannerism, his uh, demeanor, and his gestures uh, were, were those of someone who was confident, perhaps overconfident, uh, someone who was laying down the rule, as it were. I'm not so sure that this is necessarily uh, ANC style that we are seeing developing with these strong men mm. in, in, in provinces who, who basically um, uh, lay down the law and, 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 and lord it uh, over others. There was, there was a little bit of that in his manner when he was speaking. But clearly, his is not the only faction. Uh, there are there are counter factions. There are people who are challenging um, uh, his, his, his his authority uh, and his interpretation of the ANC constitution. And and ordinarily, that should be a good thing. Uh, but but one doesn't know where this one will end. Uh, I mean, if he wins, uh, then his delegates go. Uh, to to the conference, if uh, if the court challenge succeeds, uh, then then we'll have to go back to the the, the drawing board. Mm. Let me move it to you, um, Mr. Levindo, in terms of your thoughts in this regard, because we've seen the same uh, trend taking place in other provinces. And some one province that stood out uh, from two, three weeks back, and we saw the very much uh, uh, seemingly isolated Matthews Posa in Pumalanga as a ANC presidential hopeful, seeming to also contest the nomination process. Uh, what did we see unfold? in that regard because it seems like there are the same uh, occurrences that are taking place in various provinces and almost uh, the same issue coming out over and over again from different contexts. Good morning to you, Benjamin. Good morning to my colleagues and the listeners. Well, I think as uh, my two colleagues have alluded there, this, uh, this contestation is indeed very tense. And obviously those that uh, would perceive or who think that the, the outcome of the conference might not be in their favor would actually try the different means to ensure that in some, some way or another their voice is actually being heard. But then we'll also realize that, you know, the PGCs that have been taking place all over the country, it was just an expression of the view of the different branches in, the, in, 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 in different provinces. Mm. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that is a cast in, on stone, because you'll recall that all the delegates still have to be pursued, still have to be lobbied at the conference, and they can still change their minds. But if we specifically have to look at mm. uh, the Matthew Poza's case, um, you would then agree with me that PGCs only makes an expression and they don't make a final decision. And I think what the, the Matthew Porter's team has to be focusing on would have been to focus on ensuring that they garner sufficient support for Matthew Porter to, at the end of the day, emerge. Because in, in, in any way, there are those that have already taken decisions in terms of who they're actually supporting there are those that are still available to be lobbied. 
and taking matters to court at this stage on the part of Matthews Pover would not be a very wise decision because con- uh, conference is only few hours to come and the decisions of PGCs don't actually matter in relation to the outcome of the conference. But I think as well, Benjamin, we need to to put this as a challenge to the ANC to say that the ANC seemed to have been unable to manage succession from 2007 up to now. If the ANC has learned from the Pulukwane conference, the, 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 the aftermath of the Pulukwane conference, mm. the breakaway and the anonymity sure. amongst the members of the ANC, the current leadership of the ANC and the members in general would have developed a proper framework to deal with succession within the ANC. Indeed, you would say that the ANC puts an emphasis on democracy and contestation. But we need to... Contestation and the way in which democracy has to be practiced is not supposed to, at the end of the day, bring an enmity and then destroy the organization. Because mm. if this is the trend that the ANC is intending to take even in the future, then we must actually say we might not be having this glorious movement mm. in the near future because of the tendencies that are actually emerging within the party. Dr. Sarakinsky, I want to come to you in that regard, and I want to take forward what both Professor Malulek and Levindo have highlighted in terms of the fact that uh, who do you think are the key influencing camps in this particular conference because as was highlighted by uh, Mr. Ndo, the fact that there's still a lot of lobbying that is still going to take place uh, even during this particular conference. We've heard that the ANC Youth League is divided between Cyril Ramaphosa and uh, Dr. Nkosa Zanatlamini Zuma. Already we've seen the Women's League asserting itself with uh, uh, Nkosa Zanatlamini Zuma as their main candidacy. Uh, Lindy Sisulu, they still not quite sure where she fits in in the dynamic of the women's league who do you think are going to be the key key influences in this um, elective conference well i don't think it will be any of the the main candidates themselves okay i think it will be the backroom teams so each of the main contenders and maybe even some of the the lesser established contenders have got uh, organizing camps and lobbyists and those are the people who will do the head counts who's on the fence, who, who's swingable, who's against us. And they'll do their numbers and then they'll go and engage and lobby. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's a real problem if, if it moves away from lobbying to bribery and corruption in terms of inducing people to vote in a particular way at the conference. And the ANC is aware of it. There have been numerous public statements about vote buying at conference. Apparently, it was quite rampant in 2012 in Mangong, um, and and numerous uh, statements to that effect now as as a warning. And that's the first dimension. The, 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 the real dimension is to shape the delegates that are there in the first instance, hence the gerrymandering of the processes in terms of the delegates who get there. That's why these... Uh, provincial and branch fights are so important because if you can block votes coming through the branches 
just on procedural grounds, you can influence uh, the outcome. So the the branch nomination gave uh, Cyril Ramaphosa a 500-odd lead. As my colleagues have said, that's not really that significant. Um, it's indicative, but it's not that significant. The real issue is the voting delegates. And if you start to add up the real numbers, you see that that lead starts to come down quite dramatically with the provincial votes, the women's league votes, the youth league votes, the veterans votes, uh, and, and, and a range of other people who will be there, the NEC votes as well. So it comes down to a couple of hundred votes at, at the conference, and that means it's high stakes, high risk, and uh, influencing a couple of hundred people to swing could take it. And that's why it's so it's so intense and the stakes are so high, and that's why people are watching this outcome very closely. It's got huge significance for the future of South Africa. Let me come back to you, uh, Professor Malulek. What are your thoughts in terms of uh, who might actually have a, a, a weight in, in, in the final decision point? We know that uh, we also didn't see it coming with uh, uh, the exit of uh, 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 the ex-president uh, of the, uh, the of the ANC, uh, uh, for example, uh, uh, Tabombeki, we didn't see the definition of uh, uh, it actually defining itself whereby we saw him exiting in the manner that he did from the NEC. Do you see a repetition of the same unpredictability when it comes to uh, uh, um, uh, the, the likes of Cyril Ramaphosa? Well, it's a slightly different context, uh, Benjamin. Uh, I remember uh, spending late, late nights in Fulukwane with colleagues who were crunching the numbers and telling me why it was impossible for Tawambeki to lose. Mm. <laughs> and uh, and he still lost. Mm. Uh, I mean, your question, uh, initial question is who, who has um, the power to influence and swing things this way or that way? Uh, you know, I think the most powerful person in the ANC for the next 100 hours is the ANC delegate with voting rights. Uh, that delegate of the ANC, he or she, uh, is living in their most powerful moment for the next 100 or so hours, in that it is ultimately up to them uh, what happens. Uh, in, in, in terms of the results of the voting system. I know that each one of them represents a branch. Some will represent certain constituencies within the ANC that all of them have will have been given a mandate which will have been drummed into them as to how they must vote when they arrive there. Uh, and I know that some of them might even be requested, uh, which I'm not sure how legal it is, to take pictures of their of their voting ballots, uh, if, uh, if 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 uh, the allegations of bribery uh, are anything to go by, because apparently that's uh, how you are going to come back and cash uh, whatever it is that you were promised. But the fact of the matter is that woman, that man, uh, who is a delegate who is voting is the most powerful. Everyone is eating out of his or her hands at the moment. Uh, but it is temporary power, uh, which will evaporate come Sunday uh, morning or, or late on Saturday. Mm. And, 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 and I think it will have to be used wisely. Now, 
there's this debate about voting with your conscience or voting according to the branch. And, and nobody, will, nobody will ever be able to tell what will happen when once the voters uh, are in, in that box where they are supposed to vote. I think it's supposed to be a secret vote. So we, 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 we really, I mean, David Mabuza has been uh, called a kingmaker. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I think the king he wants to make is himself mm. uh, and, 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 and no one else. So it's a very murky uh, uh, terrain at the moment. I think Mpumalanga has done its best to emerge as the provincial kingmaker. And and what it has done is to keep some of its cards secret until now. Everybody's cards may be out. In fact, not all the cards are out because there are so many challenges. But Pumalanga has gone a step further because they've got this unity candidate whom they voted for. So they come to Nazareth, a closed book, with no one quite knowing uh, what they stand for and what they will do. And that is ultimately uh, probably the most strategic position to, to, to find yourself. But it could also backfire on them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and then I want to get your views, Mr. Levindo, especially on what is actually motivating uh, that vote uh, by the, uh, the the elective member himself, as was highlighted uh, by uh, uh, Professor Malulek. What is the driving force? I know that was the big concern that was brought forward last week as we started this series looking at the elective conference by ANC veteran Mavusum Simang. Is it intra-politics uh, or is it really... Uh, the real socio-economic issues that are affecting the country itself. It's almost uh, 11.30 Central African time. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back with our guests. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French, and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalunyan Zovo, and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Well, this is Channel Africa, where we give you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms, on Shortwave, on uh, DSTV Audio Bouquet. And also remember, you can also uh, find us uh, online on www.channelafrica.co.za. I've got Dr. Ivo Sarakinski, who is in our studio, academic uh, researcher at Witt School of Governance. I have also on the line our political analyst, Professor Diniko Malulek, on the line, and Levin Do, science lecturer at the Twana University of Technology. Well, let me come to you, Mr. Ndo, in terms of looking at what is actually driving this particular vote. Do you think it is going to be the socioeconomic issues of the country or do you think it will be the intra-politics of uh, the ANC that will continue to actually uh, dominate the agenda of who is uh, uh, the leader of the party? One must start by saying that um, in terms of the contestation, emphasizing what, what Professor Malleke said, that anything can happen. Mm. There are delegates who are going to Nazareth, uh, 
um, in the next few hours who did not attend PGCs. And when provinces were making their expressions, the views of these delegates were not counted. So the numbers might change as well. But I think what has to drive a delegate at Nazrek would be in the main to save the face of the ANC. Hmm. And I would say it should be some sort, this conference should be some form of a rebirth in the ANC. The ANC is facing a lot of challenges, and I think one would expect the delegates to go back to the basics in the ANC, go through the document that talks about through the eye of the needle, and then come up with leaders that must be able to save the ANC. The biggest challenge in the ANC today is disunity and factionalism. The ANC is perceived as a corrupt organization, and the ANC is found wanting in relation to attracting more members, especially young people. And it is the delegate who has got all the powers in this conference to come up with a leadership that must unite the ANC, and not only the ANC, but unite the South African society in general. And the ANC has to come out of this conference united and everybody else must come back and say, this is the ANC of Oliver Tambo, this is the ANC of Nelson Mandela. And that is exactly what a delegate has to do. But whether we like it or not, lobbying is still going to continue at the conference. And the most important aspects, unfortunately, are going to occupy the backseat. The policy issues that we discussed six months ago at the policy conference might not be very, very central because most members or most delegates that are going to the conference are mainly preoccupied with the contest, with the leadership contest, rather than the actual work of the, uh, of the party which deals with policy issues. And that is an unfortunate part that the ANC is facing itself. But one area that I need to emphasize on is that there are people that we see them uh, uh, being associated with certain individuals. And it should not come as a surprise when we see these people at the conference changing tune and moving towards another team. Dr. Sarakinski, your thoughts on that? Well, it is fluid. There is going to be lobbying. Um, There's also the possibility that delegates haven't shown their hand at the uh, branch general meetings and they haven't shown their hand at the provincial general councils. Because if you you take a position that's contrary to the leadership of your province or branch or your municipality, it could be a career-limiting move. So I think there are a whole range of unknowns. Uh, where pe- we don't know where people really stand, and 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 that makes it very fluid, and and things could change quite quite dramatically. I think that the policy issues are closely intertwined with the leadership issues, in that the two main contenders, and there is the possibility of a third nomination from the floor coming, uh, and we can talk about that in a second. But the two leaders are putting forward policy issues that came out of the June. Uh, policy conference, um, and they're emphasizing different aspects of the documents that were discussed and tabled. 
and and that will be voted on as well in the conference after the leadership or before the leadership, probably after the leadership contest, mm-hmm. and and it, it's it's pretty clear where where things are. The the, the radical economic transformation agenda <coughs> is NDZ. Mm. Uh, the 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 more pragmatic. Uh, Market-oriented, uh, with not excluding state intervention, is uh, Cyril Ramaphosa, and 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 that will consolidate and become clearer as the leadership uh, contest uh, starts to to get uh, some sense and who mm. the deputy presidents of the respective candidates are on the slates. Mm. We mm. we don't know much about that, mm. and that's where you've got the wild cards of uh, Didi Mabuza mm. from. Pumalanga using those so-called <laughs> unity votes as as a as a bargaining so, chip. He's so. playing a poker game, and he's waiting for the right movement to go, the right time to go all in with with his chips. Uh, it's, and almost, then, it's almost like mafia style. Absolutely, it? <laughs> it, it, it it does have overtones of that. Sure. And then there's William Kesey from KZN. Mm. Where, where's he going to go? Is there going to be a nomination from the floor? Mm-hmm. So there's been all this talk about unity. <clears throat> People from Gauteng, supposedly Mm. pro-Cyril, have been involved in discussions with the pro-unity crowd. Mm. And uh, uh, Israeli Nkizi, although not nominated by the branches, could Mm. be nominated from the floor Mm. as long as he gets 25% of the votes on the floor. Mm. And that might might shake things up in terms of a realignment. So if the delegates sense that it's one way or the other and there's going to be a disunited, dysfunctional ANC going forward, it might open the door for that third compromise candidate. But these are all unknowns. Mm. And we won't know until afterwards because it's all going to be closed session. And that third uh, candidate, who do you think it would be and who would be standing a chance there because we've seen these two well-known figures actually dominating the conversation. Do you think the third one would be a surprise and would dominate these two? If if one had to do a guesstimate in terms of the, the names that are in the hat mm. for the presidency, the most likely person seems William Kise. Okay. Uh, it's not to say that uh, Matthews Poza, Lindy Wesisulu, mm. uh, Jeff Gadebe yeah. and others are, are, are on out the game. Mm. But just in terms of popular support and 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 public profile, it it would seem as if there is going to be a third party candidate. It's him, and he has been pushing this unity, bring the mm. two groupings together inside the ANC. So he's well positioned, but he doesn't have institutional power. Mm. Uh, Didi Bambuza does with mm, those mm, votes mm, from Mpumalanga, and the the structure of the, those votes suggests that he is playing a strongman role. Mm. In that province, and if he can garner three, four hundred votes, it he he might become indispensable mm. to any of the other candidates in the mix. But this mm. is all speculative mm. because we really don't, don't know. know. Yeah. Well, I, I want to bring it to you, Professor Marulek, in terms of what do you think the issues that will be driving uh, this particular elective conference? I know earlier on, Dr. Sarakinsky <coughs> highlighted the issues of brown envelopes that seemed to have dominated the uh, conversation conversations while Mangawung was taking place. I know that is a very huge issue, especially when it coming, comes to the lobbying process. What's going to uh, contribute, do you think? So it's going to be, uh, show me the money and we'll talk, or is it going to be like, I'm really, really interested in actually safeguarding this country? I think it's all of the above, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I think that there will be brown envelopes, probably. I hope not. Um, but uh, it, it's possible that there will be. Uh, I think there will be intense lobbying 
perhaps not literal brown envelopes, but all sorts of um, of means and ways to get people to vote a particular way, even if it is a, a promise of something in the future, you know, uh, will 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 be at play uh, because this is quite high stakes uh, mm. conference. I mean, I hear all about the unity, but you know, the unity vote. Uh, Sounds have come from Zueli and from uh, Didi Mabuza, but uh, none of them really explain what the unity is for. Uh, you know what what the objective of that unity is. The, I mean, a strong ANC, a stronger ANC for what? For Nganza, for all the stuff that we have had before. Uh, so, so it seems to me that if you speak unity, you've got to to say something a little more mm. uh, than just that. And that little more has been missing. Now, I hear that, uh, of course, policy issues are intertwined to the candidates, especially the two leading candidates. But I, I, I am not so sure that uh, many of the delegates really, if you, if you, if you uh, in, interrogated them about the policies, of, of each of these candidates that they would be they would be articulate about it, eloquent about it, but they they they, they vote for the people uh, uh, for, for one reason or the other. Now there is of course another way of looking at all of this, and that is to say that the real decision the ANC delegates and the ANC itself has to make is whether they want to continue along the trajectory that the current president Jacob Zuma has put the movement on, or they want to disrupt that and and take a new direction. Now, you could argue that both candidates uh, leading, Ramaphosa and, and DZ, are promising to disrupt the current, the, the current uh, uh, trajectory of, of Jacob Zuma. So it's a question of who will be believed more uh, in terms of uh, this promise of uh, disrupting this trajectory because I I really think that the choices between the Zuma project and the ANC and and I have a sense that the Zuma project is is taking the ANC down a path uh, that the ANC will will regret as one of my colleagues said Mm. the ANC might not be around for too long Mm. if it continued around that that, that path Those, those are the bigger issues that uh, delegates will have to think about as, as they vote. Well, what are the consequences, Levin, do as I wrap it up with you? I've got three minutes left. What are the consequences of uh, each direction? If we do see Nkosazana Zamini Zuma, uh, when do we know what that represents for the ordinary voter outside the ANC, the normal citizen? And what does a Cyril Ramaphosa win mean for ordinary citizens? I know there are perceptions that the two of them have actually attached to, to their names, uh, also specifically due to the fact that Lamini Zuma was uh, uh, the current president's ex-wife. Well, I think it's quite difficult to tell, mm. uh, but, uh, you know, um, one has to look at perceptions as well, uh, mm. that sure. you need a candidate who would be received not only within the lobbied members of the ANC. You need a candidate that must be accepted by the, uh, by the ANC 
in general, and you need a candidate that will still appeal mm. to the ordinary citizens of South Africa. I'm happy you touched about the Nkosa Zanazuma's background uh, in relation to the president. These are some of the issues that uh, create a perception out mm. there mm. that says if you have got Nkosa Zanazuma, then the, re- the highest possibility is that it will be the continuation of what President Zuma has built up. And you know the perceptions around President Zuma in South Africa uh, and within the ANC. And also there are those who are saying that if you have Ramaphosa, obviously you're going to have the, the, the economy being boosted. You're going to have a person who will be able to unify mm. uh, the ANC and the South African uh, population. And indeed the ANC would still win the elections come 2017. But well, those are speculations. It remains mm. quite difficult to tell. But these perceptions are there, and one has to check whether these perceptions are actually real. Dr. Ivo Sarinsky, just in 30 seconds, your thoughts around what these two different um, leaders represent, especially for the, the voter themselves, because they're all watching what's going to happen this weekend. Well, they hold the fate of the ANC in their hands. <laughs> mm-hmm. And because the ANC currently is the ruling party, they ha- hold the fate of South Africa in the near future in their hands. Mm. And the outcomes and the policies and the decisions and the way they behave mm. in terms of accepting or rejecting the outcome will signify whether the ANC survives mm. or whether South Africa can move forward into the next stage of its very young democratic mm. project. Well, thank you to Dr. Ivo Sarinsky, who is uh, the WITS School of Governance Academic Director. We really appreciate Dr. Ivo for coming into our studios. Uh, thank you as well to Professor Diniko Maluleke, who was joining us today, our uh, analyst. Uh, Levindo also joined us uh, from the Political Science uh, Department at the Twani University of uh, Technology. Uh, thank you all for giving us your time. We really appreciate it.